0: Another episode of the Inns and Outs podcast. My name is Brayden Shaw, alongside my co-host Graham Cannon. Graham, you're coming fresh off of a film premiere. How are you doing today,
1: sir? I'm doing great. Um, The film I worked on, You Shoot Videos, uh, released on Sunday on the 18th. Um, If you would like to see it, go to Vimeo and look up You Shoot Videos. Um, It's a really good film, but if you are creative, you will love this film because it kind of tells you everything. That you need to know about, like, you're not alone in this kind of struggle. Yeah, it was really fun.
0: Nothing like seeing your name up on screen. Yeah, for sure. It's pretty nuts, but yeah, yeah. And just um, filming in KC was uh, quite a quite a cool experience for you. Yeah,
1: new. especially since there's not a lot of films that are made here anymore. Biggest thing is we need to get a tax credit, so
0: more films will come here because it's a beautiful location. Sure. Uh, yeah, and we'll drop the link to that film uh, in the description of this podcast. Yep. Um, but anyway. Um, to the real reason why we're here is um, the next edition of our AFI series, um, number 21 through 30, and some, f- some film noirs uh, we're about to touch on, and some uh, just real, again, more classic films here, and we can jump right in to number 30, uh, Apocalypse Now, 1979, um, directed by Francis Ford Coppola, written by John Milius and Francis Ford Coppola, based on the novel Heart of Darkness by Joseph Conrad. Uh, it stars Martin Sheen, Dennis Hopper, Marlon Brando, Robert Duvall, um, an appearance by Lawrence Fishburne, and Harrison Ford. Uh, it was nominated for eight Oscars. It won two um, for Best Cinematography and Best Sound. It was also nominated for Best Picture, Supporting Actor for Robert Duvall, Best Director, uh, Screenplay, Art Direction, and Film Editing. It won the Palme d'Or Cannes that year. It was inducted to the National Film Registry at, in 2000. Um, Best Picture that year it was a good class. Uh, Kramer vs. Kramer won... Um, all that jazz, breaking away, Norma Rae, and Apocalypse Now. Graham, uh, do you love the smell of napalm in the morning? I do not love the smell of napalm in the okay. morning.
1: I think this is a good film, but mm-hmm. I don't think it's top fifty great. Okay. There's just a lot of problems I have with this movie. Just sure. Let's get into it. Yeah. Yeah. It just the movie itself is really weirdly structured. Mm. Martin Sheen's incredible. I think I need to get that off first. Martin Sheen is insane in this movie. He's really well. I mean. It just seems like all things that happened, and since I'm such a stickler for history, a lot of stuff didn't happen the yeah. way that they put put it out there.
0: Yeah.
1: Like they wouldn't just send a boat down a river and gone like, go, go do this, sure, and go kill this captain. I mean, it's an interesting story. It's you know, it's really funny to see Harrison Ford because yeah. he's, like, he's. I think this is around the time that they're shooting Raiders or maybe. Like, he's, he's in between Raiders and Star Wars at this time.
0: Um, Raiders would have been a couple years later. Raiders would have been 81. So The and Empire Strikes Back would have been 80, so yeah. So maybe he's like in between Star Wars and Empire. Yeah. So it's kind of
1: him seeing him and him kind of growing out facial hair and him looking kind of weird. Mm-hmm. And I think Robert Duvall is good. Mm. He was nominated for Best Supporting for this, mm-hmm. and he's in very few scenes.
0: I, I think he makes the most of his screen time. He like, does,
1: definitely. but I don't think he did, like I don't think he deserved the nomination as much. Hmm. Okay. Um. I I I would have I have a problem because I think Godfather Part Two is a
0: much better film than this. I mean, sure. I also don't know necessarily if they're that I guess comparable in a way. They're not like comparable, maybe but in also, the maybe in the like Coppola yeah,
1: sphere. But rather. I think another right. reason this film is nominated is like regards to highest because the production was so bad.
0: Yeah, because
1: like like Coppola and Martin Sheen both nearly died multiple times. There's a famous, there's a really good documentary called Hearts of Darkness um, that's based around this. But almost all these people, they were in horrible living locations. They were just doing horrible stuff. I don't know if it deserves to be this high. I think it just was like, they went through so much. They deserve so many Oscar nominations. I think it's iconic, but I don't think
0: it's like a great, great film. It's definitely very ambitious. Um, I yeah. mean, we've talked about in the past how uh, Coppola really went for it with this one. He had a heart attack on set. Um, he, they, they made an effort to um, uh, use real explosions um, and all those helicopter shots. and um, And obviously Marlon Brando, was difficult to work with to I mean, say he, the showed, least. he
1: showed up at 200 at, like they told him they need to slim back and wait because he was at i think like 250 mm-hmm. and he showed up heavier to set and they're like what so they had to like originally it was supposed to be like a big thing of him and like his uniform and him like on top of this like you look at the concept art it was like him on that like a mountain of skulls or something really you know big and intimidating they had to shoot around that. They had to make sure, like, he's in black. He had to be in black. They shot him in shadow.
0: Like, there's very few shots where you see him, his bod- his full body.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, yeah, he's definitely a mysterious figure. And I think, story-wise, that does kind of play up to it because um, Martin Sheen is kind of just searching for Colonel Kurtz the entire movie. And when he kind of appears to him, he is this shadowy figure, very mysterious a villainous role for Brando which is kind of different it's different but I think that it's him being difficult and him yeah. being
1: such a jackass like he usually was but I think it's also I just I, I love some of these aspects of this film like them going down the river and then losing their minds like the, like how many people die and like the river the captain like tries to kill Martin Sheen because mm-hmm. he's died because he got killed he goes like you're gonna die with me. There's some iconic scenes, well, the young Lauren Fishburne mm-hmm. and this like he's a skinny kid. It's yeah. really weird to see him. You're like, Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's him. I just think this movie I think the production is so widely regarded as like, oh, look at how much they did to make this film. Mm. And I don't know if they'd really advanced too much. Cause there's like there's no discussion on like like a movie like Platoon that came out seven years later really got Vietnam vets talking. This movie is just like, this and Deer Hunter came out
0: and they're both like, here, here's our film. Sure. And they didn't really like it. Well, I guess my thing is, I don't know if Apocalypse Now, for better or worse, was really trying to be as maybe historically accurate or as trying to, um, I guess, have as much of a pointed message toward Vietnam vets, which... I guess take take it or leave it with that. Yeah.
1: Um I think it's also it's someone who could have served in the war and didn't and he feels guilty
0: about it. It's a lot of, a lot of the I
1: mean like the guy who directed Deer Hunter said he felt the same way. I,
0: I guess I guess that's one way to look at it. Um I also think Dennis Hopper is really good. Um, in a supporting role. He is. He's really good. He is the photographer. I, I think that just that when Martin Sheen finally gets to where uh, Brando's hiding out at just that that tribe of people that's like worshiping Kurtz is it's kind of a, it's a cool production design and also just a cool scene. Um I I enjoy this film. This is also one of those it's kind of like Blade Runner where they have like all those different cuts of it. They have the theatrical and then they have the redo and then they just uh, recently I believe Either this week or next, they're releasing the final cut. Why? Of Blade Runner. Of oh, Blade Runner? Uh, or not Blade Runner, of um, Apocalypse Now. It's like they did the final no, no, cut. No, 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 no. I'm oh, sorry. One? Apocalypse Now. Jeez. Um, for the, yeah, uh, the, re- the 40 year re- anniversary. The redo or is bad. I have not seen the redo. I've the only redo, seen the redo. The redo, they just produced
1: more. this French plantation thing that's not necessary. Yeah. It's okay. C- it's like Apocalypse Now is a, is a good movie, and then the redo, Like I think that's the reason I don't like it, because I, I saw the redo first. Mm. I just remember, like, why are they going to this French plantation to Vietnam? Oh, okay. To show, like, how the, the rich were living at this time. Yeah. I was kind of like,
0: eh. Okay. It kind of just, like, it's an hour of that. Mm-hmm. I'm curious. I think I may eventually watch the final cut just because I'm curious about what they actually included or excluded. I think
1: there's a, like, Blade Runner definitely deserved the final cut. I don't know
0: Apocalypse. The original cut's pretty good. Yeah. I I think that it's it's kind of a nice the whole like different oh cuts of like direct, director's cuts or whatever, I think it's kind of a nice I don't know if gimmick's the right word. But it's a gimmick to get people to buy it buy it again. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know, it's kind of fun. Um I might check it out. Maybe you guys can check it out too. Um Apocalypse Now I uh, I I really enjoy this film. I think it's I think it's an interesting watch um, for what it is, and just the star power that's attached to it. Um, and Coppola coming off of Godfather Part Two in the conversation. But no matter how you feel about this production or this movie, Coppola is one of the most important directors um, we had in the twentieth century. And so I think thirty might be a bit high um, for this one. I I might knock it down a bit. But I still think the production, the star power, and the fact that I, I think it's a pretty good movie, um, I think it deserves to be in the top 50 at least, um, I would say. Uh, and just all those people people involved in it are very important. And, I mean, it's quotable. It, at times, I guess maybe it drags a little bit. But a, little, a little? Well, okay. There's, maybe a, there's, a, there's a lot of, like,
1: I, I guess someone who likes to edit, there's a lot of fat that could have been trimmed in this movie. Sure. There's just a lot of like them float. There's a lot of shots of them just floating on the river and not mm-hmm. talking, yeah, or not doing anything important. Where it's like you're showing, hey, they're really relaxed. It's like, you cut this down.
0: Yeah, I think bloated might just be a word that can be described for this whole entire production. Yep. But uh, yeah, apocalypse now. Uh, pretty good, maybe a little too high. Yep. Uh, moving on to number twenty nine, Double Indemnity from nineteen forty four. Directed by Billy Wilder, written by Billy Wilder and Raymond Chandler. Uh, stars Fred McMurray, Barbara Stanwyck, and Edward G. Robinson. So I was wrong. I was, you were talking about last week. I, I, watched this for, I watched this movie for today, and I was like, oh
1: yeah, I forgot you are in this. So I was kind of like, Edward G.
0: Robinson, yeah. Yeah, we finally touched on him. Um, nominated for seven Oscars. Best Picture, uh, Best Actress in a Leading Role for Barbara Stanwyck. Best Director, uh, Screenplay, Cinematography, Sound, and um, Score. The best picture that year was Going My Way 1, Double Indemnity, Gaslight, Since You Were Away, and Wilson. Again, we're finally talking about Edward G. Robinson, um, who you love, Graham. And one of my biggest questions from this is why did Fred McMurray not have a bigger career? I think
1: because he was a comedy. He was a comedian. Like He was a comedy actor before Mm -hmm. this. And I think he did this movie and people were like, oh, we're going to put you in serious roles. And I think that... It just never quite stuck. It never quite stuck because... He, the reason I think he works in this is because he's comedic. He's charming in the beginning. He's trying to be charming. He's a dope. I mean, he's not the smartest
0: guy. Sure. Um, Although he definitely tries to play it like he is.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's the point. Yeah, yeah which but, is, and they, yeah. And then, so basically he got cast in a
0: bunch of dramas after this, and he's like, he can't really hang. Mm. Well, I mean, it's also tough when you're in, like, the cane Mutiny with, like, Humphrey Bogart as yeah. well. and.
1: Yeah, I know, and... Uh, well, he got put, so, like, beside a bunch of big stars, and these guys are just, like,
0: at the top of the game. He's like, yeah. I was a comedic actor before this. Uh-oh. Yeah. I, I mean, I think he's really good in this role, and I think he definitely um, plays off Barbara Stanwyck um, very well. I, I'm surprised that Edward Robinson or McMurray were not nominated for Best Actor. That's true. Yeah. I mean, they... Yeah, they were both really good. Edward G. Robinson isn't on screen a ton. But he's so But he's so memorable. He, com- he
1: commands the the screen. Yeah. Every time i he's on, I'm like, oh yeah.
0: This and is. he probably is the smartest one in the room, I would say. He is. He's the yeah. smartest
1: guy. I mean, like, he's the one who basically is like, You shouldn't be doing this. Mm-hmm. What do you think you're doing? He's the guy who's telling him, you know, we should be doing this my way. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. I really enjoy Edward G. Robinson because he's the first huge star besides Chaplin. Mm. He's the first talking star because he did um, a bunch of gangster movies. You know, was the man, she guy. Which there's a lot of that in this movie too. There's a lot of that too, but I mean, like, he was known as a bad guy. I mean, and he just he was seen as he's top of his game. He, um, it's a shame that he didn't. I don't think he ever won an Academy Award, and I think that's sad.
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't yeah, I don't think he did. For this movie, um, it definitely feels 40s, but that's also not a bad thing, necessarily. I would say that um, this, along with... We kind of talked about last week on The Maltese Falcon, how that kind of set the stage for what a noir can be, and I think Double Indemnity needs to be in that conversation, as well as
1: three years later. I mean, this is the first, like, true noir film. Yeah. Because voiceover, femme fatale, um, it's... It set like the Venetian blinds. Mm-hmm. Everything, everything. The groundwork for feature noir films is set here. Mm-hmm. Multis Falcon* was a good, was a step in the right direction. This kind of just set the tone for what a noir film
0: is. Yeah, and another film we'll talk about later probably would not have happened without. Uh, no. Without this film. Thousand percent. *Dumb and uh, Dumb* *Fred McMurray*. Um, he's a guy. Uh, again, we kind of on an earlier film on this list, or I guess later, um, would be. Uh, the apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, he was really good in that um, as kind of more supporting role. Um, but this, though, he uh, he's really interesting. I love, you kind of mentioned the voiceover as they kind of use that as like a storytelling device throughout this mm-hmm. as they cut back and forth um, between the uh, the murder and um, him basically admitting to his crime. I, I think that was just a really uh, well done and obviously it's been done in other noirs and films uh, oh, yeah, I mean, and, it's in later made fun years. Of and Yeah,
1: it's... It's important for that reason because the, do- the voiceover doesn't tell you exactly what's going on. It's telling you what he's thinking, mm-hmm. it's telling you what she's thinking, what he thinks she's thinking, and all that kind of stuff. Because it really just makes you understand his perspective on everything. Mm-hmm. And I really, Double Indemnity
0: is a classic and it's important. It's super important. It's also, I think, what's really cool about it is it has an open ending too. Yeah, he. I mean, he's shot, and you assume that he dies, but it kind of just cuts off from there. And yeah. he's never, he never necessarily has to pay for his crimes. But Edward G. Robinson has kind of figured out, and I guess been admitted to that something did go down. Yeah, and you
1: don't, and you don't know if he's going to turn them in or not.
0: Yeah, that's true. There's definitely some uh, moral ambiguity um, in this film for sure. Twenty nine.
1: I, uh, I'm not mad about that. No, I think it's top 30. I think just the impact it's had.
0: Billy Wilder's also a guy who has multiple films on this list. Uh, How do you feel about that? I believe he has four.
1: I think this film is like his quintessential. Okay. Um, He's more of a comedic, Mm -hmm. comedic director. I think it's kind of funny that they kind of get this crew together and did this movie and it's like a classic. Yeah. I think Billy Wilder, I think... I think this should be, like, his best. I think it should be his highest.
0: Because mm. we're going to get to another one of his later. Wait, we get to two more of his later. Um, Sunset Boulevard as well.
1: Yeah, oh, yeah. Sorry, Sunset... I forgot. Sunset Boulevard actually is his best. So I think these two are his two mm. best films.
0: Yeah, I uh, I would say... That's probably right. I would say, for personal favorite, I would say Apartment is up there for me as well. Yeah, I mean, um, Apartment should be... Uh, so I think three. I think... Yeah. The other film that we'll get to later, I am not as high on, but we'll cross yeah. that bridge when we get there. Um, number 29, Devil Indemnity. Uh, I think we're all right with that spot. Uh, number 28, All About Eve um, from 1950, directed and written by Joseph L. Mankiewicz, which is the great-uncle of TCM host Ben Mankiewicz, in case you were curious. Stars Betty Davis, and Baxter, George Sanders, Celeste Holm, Gary Merrill, and Hugh Marlowe. Um, also appearances by Thelma Ritter, um, if you recognize the name from *Rear Window*, and an early screen appearance from Marilyn Monroe, uh, who we also will talk about later, is nominated for fourteen Oscars. Um, it won six, which that's still the record for most nominations at the Academy Awards for a single film. It's been uh, since tied, but never broken, um, by *La La Land* from 2016 and *Titanic* from 1997. Uh, George Sanders won for Supporting Actor, uh, Joseph Mankiewicz won for Director and Screenplay, uh, Costume Design, Sound, and Best Picture. He's uh, also nominated for Ann Baxter for uh, Best Actress, Betty Davis for Best Actress, Celeste Holm for Supporting Actress, Thelma Ritter for Supporting Actress, Cinematography, Art Direction, Film Editing, and Score. i had never seen that before. Never seen what?
1: Two leads and two
0: supporting in the same year.
1: Yeah, that's same true. Film.
0: Like, that just seems super weird. I'm also kind of surprised about the Thelma Ritter nom because she's not really in the film that much. No, yeah. I just wonder if she campaigned really hard. I guess I don't know. I mean, she, I, I, I love Thelma Ritter. Yeah, it's, she's kind of got a Carla from Cheers vibe.
1: Yeah, and she was really she's fun in the movie, but it's just kind of like you're not in it, and that, it's like Marilyn Monroe getting an arm. You're like, Wow. Well, yeah, that, <laughs> that. I mean, it's I mean, it's kind of like that long. She's not. She's. She's not in it for enough for me sure. to be like, yeah, you deserve a nomination.
0: Well, I guess in that respect, at least she didn't win. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so, that's I mean, true. That's I guess that's one thing. It's, it's kind of
1: like the Meryl Streepers. like she's in something. You're like oh,
0: she's gonna get nominated. I will say maybe this could have been a case of Betty Davis and Baxter canceling each other out, but I would have I would have liked one of them. I think Betty win. Davis deserved it. Betty Davis was really good in this. But, I mean, Betty Davis is a, you
1: know, is one of the most classic screen presences of all time. Sure. So, but
0: yeah, no. B- uh, Betty Davis is great. Ann Baxter is great. George Sanders, um, I knew I recognized his voice somewhere. He is the voice of Shere Khan. Mm-hmm. in the original jungle book so i kind of put a smile on my face um but very best proper picture, you know yes very proper british man uh best picture that year was all about eve 1 um, born yesterday father of the bride king solomon's mines and a film we just mentioned sunset boulevard how does sunset boulevard not win <laughs> yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah i don't know because
1: all about eve it's really good it's good but i'm just kind of like i watched it and i was just kind of, i left thinking you were ready for your close-up. Yeah, I was just like... I was like... Meh. <laughs> you don't like all about it? I just... It's just like... It's the dialogue of the time where it's like... Mm. Snappy. You know, we're trying to get each other's... You know,
0: trying to get in each other's way. So, um, I just watched this film recently for this. and I hadn't seen it before. And I... Honestly, I really found it quite interesting, quite entertaining. Yeah. Just the fact that um, Eve, I mean, obviously it's all about Eve, and how she basically uses this idea of celebrity power and obsession to kind of weasel her way into the spotlight and overtake Betty Davis's role and take over Margot Channing, her kind of ideology of um, this star in theater and i kind of got some sunset boulevard vibes from it and just the fact that of this aging actress kind of coming to terms with that obviously very different roads um to that con- yeah. to that um conclusion but i just i just really thought it was interesting how they kind of took took those ideas of celebrity power and betrayal and blackmail and how she kind of just lied her way to the top oh, yeah. um, i found that really uh, um compelling i mean
1: i don't have a like i just found this movie kind of it's kind of like, I think His Girl Friday is up high on this list too. Uh, His Girl Friday's not on this list. Okay. So it kind of reminded me of His Girl Friday. Okay. Where it's like the first scene, mm. the first couple scenes like where like they're talking and there's this really fast dialogue. I was just kind of just like, click. Because okay. for, for me, it's like, if you're doing really, really fast dialogue and there's not a lot of substance to it, you're just trying to get a joke in. Okay. I mean, I would say one of my favorite parts is when Betty Davis' character is down waiting for on her boyfriend and then Eve kind of shows up and you hear her like run upstairs like see her run upstairs and then like like tries to get herself like together and goes hi like one of those I uh-huh. thought that was hilarious I think this needs to be on the list though sure because this story is like it's been used over and over again uh huh like and I think it deserves to be on the list I think top 50 sure I think just like we're talking top 30 like every, like every time we condense this list it's like top, you know, it's like, these films need to be, like, not, a, not every not every
0: film can be top 30 or top 20 yeah, It's like
1: Yeah, it's kind of like, it's a good movie, but I think it's just so, like, I think this is the only movie that Betty Davis on this list. I'm pretty sure, yeah.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, that's kind of a shame mm-hmm. at the same time, but, um... But at the same time, it should be recognized. It definitely. should be recognized. Especially maybe. the importance of the 14 Oscar noms, I think, is also yeah, I an think, important factor. Yeah, I, I think top 50 for sure, though. Yeah, I, uh... I, just, I think this film is just really well crafted. I think the performances across the board are really interesting. Like you said, influential storyline. Um, Joseph Mankiewicz um, is a really important person in Hollywood around this time as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of, he's involved in the Philadelphia story. is a film we talked about earlier. Inducted the National Film Registry in 1990. Yeah, Betty Davis, one of the most important actresses of all time. Really just entertaining, I think.
1: Yeah, it's a good movie. I think that you could watch this today and be entertained.
0: For sure. Yeah, I think always uh, betrayal plots are always interesting, for sure. Um, moving on here uh, to number 27, High Noon from 1952, directed by Fred Zinneman, written by Carl Foreman based on a magazine story called The Ten Star by John W. Cunningham. Um, it stars Gary Cooper, Grace Kelly, Thomas Mitchell, nominated For seven Oscars, it won four. It won um, for Best Actor for Gary Cooper, uh, film editing, um, original song um, for the song High Noon, Do Not Forsake Me, Oh My Darling, um, and Best Score. It's also nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, and Screenplay. Gary Cooper, another guy. um, What were you saying? I'm
1: laughing because my note
0: is just, this Lost
1: Best Picture to Greatest Show on Earth? Question yeah. mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. Yeah,
0: no, I did lose to Greatest Show on Earth. Um, also nominated that year, High Noon, Ivanhoe, uh, Moulin Rouge, and The Quiet Man from John Ford. Uh, yeah, Greatest Show on Earth by Cecil B. DeMille. Uh, not a fan of that, I assume. Why? Like, it's, it's, <laughs> it's
1: a movie about, like, it's not even like there's a lot of plot to that movie. It's like it's this person walking around the circus and, more of a spectacle. Yeah, it's a spectacle movie. This is, like,
0: one of the defining westerns of all time. Sure. I've got to be honest. I'm not a huge fan okay. of High Noon. I do appreciate its brevity. Um, yeah. It's only... I mean, it's about an hour and a half-ish. I mean, it's in real time, basically. Yeah, for sure. I mean, literally, it's, just, it's a countdown to High Noon when the train gets there. I, I feel like even at just an hour and a half, I think it did drag a little bit for me. Yeah, I think... There's always something with real time that's always... Because you can only do
1: so much in real time. Yeah. Because, like, there's... Not a lot happens in an hour and a half, yeah. really. Like, in yeah. an hour and a half, you really are only doing one thing. Like, it's really interesting to see him go, like, you need to help me. You're not going to help me.
0: Yeah. You need to
1: help me. You're not going to help me. Yeah. Like, that, you only see that, like, so many times, it should be, like, cut, let's go to... Something else.
0: Yeah, I think that was uh, one or two too many times for me. I also, I think the last shootout was bad. Yeah, but this it was. Is... It was kind of I don't know. It was underwhelming for me because I feel like they had just been they had built up to this tension and this like almost pressure cooker feel, and then they got to the last shootout and Gary Cooper just bang 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 bang, 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 bang and they're all dead. And yeah,
1: like, I don't know. I mean, I think it's a good movie. I think it's important. Sure. So it's kind of like the moving the West moving on because the sure. Western movie what well, used to be John Ford and John Wayne and it just kind of was slowly moving towards because like then like you think you see what John Wayne does he does like true grit towards yeah. the end of his career which is kind of like based kind of in his lane mm-hmm. Um it's super funny because Gary uh John Ford and John Wayne were both like vocal against this movie mm-hmm. John Wayne accepted C- Gary Cooper's Oscar because he wasn't there yeah and joked about it and did all these things I'm just like an actor who really couldn't act getting an os- hit, like receiving the Oscar <laughs> for someone who was like one of the greatest actors of all time. Yeah. Um, I I think this movie deserves to be top top 50, top 40 top I think cuz like all the things you see in spaghetti westerns are all kind of based off of this like sure. I think the reason that the last shoot it was underwhelming because you've seen The Good and the Bad and the Ugly, or you've seen, like, The Quick and the Dead. Oh, you've gotcha. seen You've seen, like, actual, like, yeah. what they can do now and what they could, what they were doing after Years this, later, right? yeah. yeah. The influence of this film is so important. Sure. And, yeah. Also, have have seen Blazing Saddles, like, the song. Yeah. It, the, they sing this song, and it's, like,
0: kind of explaining what's going on. And they do that in Blazing Saddles. hmm So... Yeah, yeah. It, it's definitely influential. Grace Kelly, uh, Gary Cooper, uh, very important figures. Yeah, in Hollywood as well. No, I, yeah, no, I. You can't understate the influence on the Western genre um, for sure with this film, which is why I personally uh, would move it down a little bit, but it has to be top fifty, top forty, probably. Yeah, I in mean, I mean
1: I, you could tell me like this is top forty, I'd be like, yeah, deserves yeah. to be at, like King Kong, deserves sure. to be in yeah. this like. Top 50 is, like, the greatest
0: films of all time. These yeah. need to be here. Yeah, sure, for sure. Um, yeah, I I guess, again, kind of, I hadn't really thought about that way. Yeah, I think I was maybe a little jaded by watching westerns that kind of had taken I mean, from... This
1: is still in the middle of the haze Code, so, like, yeah. they couldn't really do a lot. That's true. Yeah, like, yeah,
0: I mean, like... It's not like the Wild Bunch where they're just shooting up yeah. everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you watch, like, the
1: Wild Bunch or, like, Butch Cass, and you're like, man, this is so good. And you watch this, and you're like, it's okay.
0: yeah. But it's, it's influential as hell, so it needs to be here. Yeah. Um, inducted in the National Film Registry in 1989. Uh, super important film. Uh, def- even though I'm kind of, I don't know if hating the right word, but I would still recommend it, absolutely. It, You're not hating on it. You're just saying like it's important. I just don't like it as much as yeah. everybody else did. Sure, yeah. Um, definitely would recommend it. Um, moving on here to number 26, to a film that is awesome. Uh, Mr. Smith. You don't like it? No, I'm laughing because okay. like you're saying
1: awesome. I'm like, yeah, it's good. Yeah,
0: I, I really liked it. Um, Anyway, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington from 1939. Directed by Frank Capra. Written by C- Sidney Buckman and Lewis R. Foster. Stars Jimmy Stewart, Gene Arthur, Claude Rains. Nominated for 11 Oscars and
1: somehow only won one. Well, because Gone with the Wind was the same. Well, I know, <laughs> like, I know, I there's know, There's
0: only There's a reason as to why. <laughs> yeah, no, I know, but I just don't think it's dumb. I won for um uh, Screenplay... Nominated for Best Picture, Jimmy Stewart, Best Actor, Harry Carey for a supporting role and or supporting actor, not that Harry Carey. Claude yeah. Rains. <laughs> honestly, that kind of took me aback when I yeah, saw that. Yeah, I saw name, that too, and I was but, like, I was like, he was an actor. Yeah, no, that not the big glasses. Um, Chicago Cubs. Uh, Claude Rains was nominated. Frank Capper, Best Director. Um, sorry, it won for original story, not screenplay. Apologies. Um, what the hell that mean? Don't, does that? I have no idea why that was a distinction. What the hell does that mean? I don't know. Original story, so, but not scre- screenplay.
1: So, so like, okay. So whenever you write a script, if you come up with a story, but someone else writes a screenplay. Yeah. You put like you know. Story by. Yeah, yeah. screenplay by. Written by screen story by this. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that actually like is it because they had a separate category. I guess. I don't know. How the hell
0: does that win Best Screenplay? That's weird. Um, Also not a Best Art Direction, Sound, Film Editing, and Score. Okay, that was weird. Um, But uh, (laughs) sorry, that just threw me off, uh, the story screenplay thing. Um, Best Picture that year, Gone with the Wind, as we mentioned, won. Other notable nominees, Stagecoach, Ninochka, Of Mice and Men, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, Withering Heights, and The Wizard of Oz. Many people say 1939 is one of the best years in film history. I mean, it's kind of hard to argue. No, let's
1: see. Of Mice and Men, Stagecoach, which I will put is one of my favorite westerns.
0: Really brought John Wayne onto the
1: And the, the reason film. I like it is because John Wayne actually is acting and trying to make his interest into mm-hmm. Hollywood, so he's actually acting. Yeah. Of Mice and Men, Mr. Smith, Smith Goes to Washington. Wuthering Heights, amazing film. Mm-hmm. The Wizard of Oz, iconic. Like, sure. One of the most iconic films ever. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that, like it's one of the best years in film ever. Definitely,
0: and also just one of the most influential years. Yeah, as much film. as uh, when we get to Come With the win, I have my opinions on that. <laughs> um,
1: it's one of the most important films ever made.
0: Yeah, I absolutely, no doubt about it. Um, shout out Clark Gable. This also might be a controversial take, but I think this is Jimmy Stewart's best performance.
1: Yeah, It's Wonderful Life is close for me, yeah. but... There's a lot of Jimmy Stewart, like, up in this, like, top 30. I, he's awesome. He's all, he's a good actor, but I'm just, like, hearing, like, I've watched some films because I've watched a lot of Jimmy Stewart, and watching some films of his, I'm just, like,
0: I'm so tired of hearing your voice, man. No, well, that's fair. Cool. I I just think that he does such an incredible job. Like, honestly, I, I may this might even be in a hotter take. This was, like blew me away really you have like you've never seen this movie before. i had
1: never seen this movie before i watched this in high school in uh, yeah. it was history yeah it was like this is what
0: like, this is legitimately like one of the best lead performances i'd ever seen
1: yeah he literally like he goes on to the congress floor and he's there forever like yeah. it's one of those some of those things that like it frank capra is such a good director mm-hmm. <laughs> like i think he is a top five director of all time in my opinion yeah like the films he's made, and I think Mister Smith Goes to Washington is his best. I think mm-hmm. It's a Wonderful Life is good. Mm-hmm. I would say this is better.
0: Okay, okay. I have uh, I have not seen It's a Wonderful Life, so when we get to that, um, I will <laughs> I will. Uh, I'm disappointed. Share my thoughts on that. I'm but very I Listen, I listen. I know it's a classic around Christmas time and stuff, but I will get to it. Um, I also appreciated Jimmy Stewart's uh, use of G Wiz and Holy Mackerel.
1: Yeah, he like. That speech pattern thing got so, like, because um, I watched It's a Wonderful Life and this back-to-back, and I was like, oh,
0: my God, he's going to say G-Wiz. And he's like, Gee wiz I'm like, God. So I am I am a person who unironically says g Whiz. Oh, yeah, no. And you, so, we, like. You received the OG's
1: award for yes. our, where we lived.
0: Yeah, so, like, I, I really felt seen. In that moment, <laughs> even though this is 80 years old, um, I felt I felt seen. So shout out to J- RIP Jimmy Stewart, but shout out yeah, to Jimmy Stewart. But
1: it's just insane that he did not win. Like, he has won Academy Award. Yeah. He is one of the most important actors of all time. Mm-hmm. Like, like, we're talking Capra's top five directors. You can make an argument. Jimmy Stewart's top five actors of all time. Yeah, definitely like, up. Like there. He's in Vertigo. He's in... Um, Rear Window, he's in... Anatomy of a Murder. Anatomy of a Murder. He's in... Philadelphia, Philadelphia Story. Philadelphia Story. Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, It's a Wonderful Life. It's a really good resume. <laughs> like, it's just like you look looking and go, how the hell
0: do you not put him in the top five? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's tough. He, I mean, he really is also one of those guys who just delivers every single time.
1: You know what you're going to get. It's, yeah. like, it's like like you go to see a Leonardo DiCaprio movie. You're like, yeah, I know I'm going to get. Even in like
0: a film like How the West Was Won... Yeah. Which is like at kind like I, I like that movie, but it's also very bloated. Um yeah. he's he's still really good in that too. Yeah, so like you
1: know that the standard for him is super high. Yeah. I mean like getting Jimmy Stewart in the forties and fifties is like getting it's like getting Leo or getting um or getting Jack Nicholson in the seventies. It's like you're getting the highest of
0: the high. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um I, some notes I had out here about his performance. I said Stewart's—he's vulnerable, naive, and super naive as he kind of just goes from this boys' camp all the way up to the Senate. Uh, yeah, I,
1: also, I also like that he just like
0: will fight. He just there's like there's a there's a, there's a, <laughs> a monster of him punching people. That was that was my thing where I was like, oh my goodness, this is absurd. But like, I kind of loved it at the same time. You're, you're, but it's like
1: this is a comedy. I think this sure. is, it's a comedy, but it's a dramedy. I think this, this yeah. is the
0: best way of putting it because
1: every Capra film has some sort of sure. comedic relief. I mean. I think when we get to our uh, artist series, we'll have to talk Frank Capra sure. and Jimmy Stewart eventually,
0: yeah. because these two are the most, some of the most important figures in film. For sure. No, that montage of him, uh, when he was misquoted, or, or and I guess misrepresented in those photos in the newspapers, and just punching people in the face was awesome. Um, very uh, 30s, I guess. Um but, uh, yeah, no, he's naive, foolish, but he's also strong and determined. And, like, during that filibuster scene, as we mentioned, just how he, he has to drag on. He, he spot, I think they mentioned he's talking for seven and a half hours. Yeah, and, and he just, He literally is just reading the Declaration of Independence at one point. Um, Yeah, collapses. But, I mean, he really just is super headstrong, and he's right. And also, I would love to see, like, the people who are, like, in the audience are just, like,
1: can we freaking go home? <laughs> like, yeah. Because, like, there's videos of C-SPAN now where it's, like, the guy's bringing, like, Ted Cruz is bringing, like, green eggs and ham. Mm-hmm. And you see, they pan over to, like, a, a Democratic
0: guy just, like, passing out. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, no, it's it's great. Um, Also need to talk about Claude Rains. Yeah. Um, he is a guy, uh, he's also had great performances in Casablanca, Notorious. Um, he is awesome in this film, kind of as a sort of mentor but also, in a way, the antagonist of this film as well.
1: I mean, they they put the reason that Smith goes goes to Washington is because they they um, he got voted in. Mm-hmm. But he's a naive guy, so they're just trying to like take advantage of yeah, him. Yeah, they needed a guy to push around. Yeah, they needed a guy who wasn't going to make too much noise or anything. And he ends up being like for the people, by the people, truly American. Sure. Like, in the end, yeah. And it's super interesting because Capra. Is an immigrant Mm -hmm. he loves America he's a conservative Republican Um, he was one of these people that loved America like he became a citizen around the same around like in the late 20s early 30s became a filmmaker and he really has made wholesome American films sure and this making fun of the system and how, you know, you can get screwed over by a politician is super real. And it's super,
0: like, the reason this film is still shown is because it still happens today. Well, also, I mean, I just wrote down here, political corruption, politicians elected who are unfit for duty, manipulation of the free press. Sounds very familiar. Yep. Um, (laughs) So, uh, yeah, you can take that, interpret that how you will. But, uh, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. Um, This film is just really ex- i think exciting
1: i think it I, i'm and you know we're gonna talk about like position a little later i think top 15
0: yeah i'm not mad about that I at all i think top 15 for this. i'm not movie. mad about it. this film this film 80 years later is still still holds up I, I think it's th- still relevant it's still entertaining that's the biggest thing about the top 50 it still has to hold up yes
1: there's certain films on here like to- i think is top 50 if i remember correctly yeah uh right around there yeah yeah so you look at the, those movies you are like this does not, it doesn't last, it hasn't lasted that long. No, like, yeah. So like, and there's a film, the next film on our list, which we'll get to in a second, has stood the test of time as well. As there's, well, yeah. It's all these things that we're talking about today. And if you go back to the 30s and
0: they're still talking about it, it's important. And Absolutely. that's how good of a film Mr. Smith Goes to Washington today. Yes. Mr. Smith Goes to Washington and Slaps. Um, moving on here <laughs> is also inducted in National Film Registry in 1989. But anyway, first year, um, first year of National Film Registry is an inaugura- inaugura- which it deserves to be. Oh, um, 100%. 25. To Kill a Mockingbird from 1962, directed by Robert Mulligan, written by Horton Foote, but also of course based on the novel um, by Harper Lee that we all read in uh, high school. Um, stars. Gregory Peck, John Magna, Frank Overton, Mary Badham, Philip Alford, Brock Peters, and one of uh, Robert Duvall's first roles. Yeah, him, he's really young. Yeah, he is. He, and he's only in this film for very briefly. But um, he it was nominated for eight Oscars. It won two. Uh, Gregory Peck won for Best Actor, Horton Foote, um, one for screenplay, and then they also won for art direction. Horton Foote was not present at the awards, so the producer, I mean, we've talked about on this podcast um, a couple times, Alan Pacula, or Alan Pacula, um, was their film's producer. This he accepted. Not I. So here's the thing. <laughs> so I heard Julia Roberts say Pacula, and they worked together on the Pelican Brief. So I don't know. Okay. So. So I guess I trust Julia with all my heart. So I don't uh, know. <laughs> Um, so I guess we'll just go off of her. So, yeah, if anybody knows the actual pronunciation, just hit me up. Um, but anyway, it was also nominated for Best Picture, um, Supporting Actress for Mary Badham, who played Scout, um, Best Director, Cinematography, and Score for Elmer Bernstein, one of the legends. Quick fact.
1: Okay. The score, the pianist on the score for Till Mockingbird was John Williams. Really? Yes. Holy crap, I did not know that. So it sounds somewhat familiar to, like, you know, later... Uh, films, sure. Williams films, it's because he wrote, he helped write the piano parts for this. Wow. Okay. And he was the pianist in the orchestra.
0: Did not know that. Yeah. That's wow. A little fun tidbit. I thought that that's, was cool. That's really cool. Best picture that year? It's tough. It's tough. Had to go up against Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah. That, uh, you, can, you don't have to read the rest. Lawrence just... of Arabia won. Beauty uh, on the Bounty, Longest Day, Music Man. What the hell? I don't know how that. Snuck in uh, in To Kill a Mockingbird, um, inducted the National Film Registry in '95. Uh, I watched um, I watched this on TCM recently, and they had in kind of a pre-interview with uh, Jeff Daniels who's playing him on Broadway. Who's playing him on Broadway, written by Aaron Sorkin, and so like <laughs> that would be nuts. Yeah, so that's crazy. Um, <laughs> wish I could see that. Um, if if they do a film version, they need to do a film version. Yeah, uh, that this I think this is a film they could definitely do a remake of. Uh, today, but anyway, no. This this is a film we mentioned before, but I mean, it really just social relevance. Um, they balance a lot of subplots in yeah. this film. I mean, obviously the trial. First of all, one of the best courtroom scenes in history. Well, the the
1: little dial the monologue that he gives at the end, his final
0: case to the jury. Yes, yeah, case to the jury. His final statement. Mm-hmm. That's I mean that's just iconic. Um, I mean Gregory Peck. He's is, a
1: legend. I think this is like one of the best, best acting
0: Academy Awards ever. Yeah, this is this is definitely one of the most deserving Best Actor wins ever. For sure, like he elevates this movie to a place that I don't think it would have gone without him. And Atticus Finch is an iconic role because of Gregory Peck, and he's such a commanding force. Yes,
1: like he's such a great actor. Because like if Atticus isn't good. This this movie is not good. This movie yeah. is not we're talking about one of the greatest heroes of all time. Cuz sure. like he can be commanding, like you go like you see why he's such a good lawyer mm-hmm. and then you see why he's such a good father. Yes, that's a big part of it. And then this. you hear about his past somewhat cuz he shoots the dog. Yeah. Like reading the book and then seeing the movie, I only imagined Gregory Peck cuz I'd seen parts of the movie when I was a kid and mm-hmm. I imagined Gregory Peck and then when i saw it I was like
0: course it has to be it it has to be and it's just crazy to me how like i know we all know to kill a mockingbird is one of the most like iconic novels ever written but gregory peck and like and atticus finch has just kind of elevated into like one of the best like it's like there are roles out there you cannot imagine we say like oh tony stark and iron man is like or jr but like atticus finch and gregory peck are almost synonymous no you cannot say that gregory peck if they try to do, I mean, I'll let see Jeff Daniels take his
1: mm-hmm. take on it because yeah. he's talking about the screenplay. It, it, the, it would
0: also be a little different because Sorkin, be di- it, 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 Sorkin be... is very
1: much his own thing with dialogue. So there's a lot of walking and talking in the trial. I just want to know. Yeah. But like, <laughs> literally every lawyer, every film about the courtroom is based, that little, like, the last statement is like, has to be this big rousing thing because of this movie. Mm-hmm. Every courtroom drama after this. Is important. Like, A Few Good Men would not have been made if it wasn't for this film, I don't think. Yeah, for sure. And also, that this film has stood the test of time. Mm-hmm. It deals with issues that we're still talking about today. Yeah. Um, especially with the Me Too. Yeah. Especially with um, false a- accusations. Racism. And racism and bigotry and everything else that's mm-hmm. going on. That's still going on. Yes. Um, I mean... They could update it and say it was
0: someone of Latin descent, and you'd, it, you would go right into it. Sure. Absolutely. And, yeah, rural Alabama, really nothing changes if you, um, I mean, as long as they're a person of color, it really just ch- the a, same thing. It's just new new paint. Sure, <laughs> like, definitely. It's a new coat
1: of paint. I think this is top 25. I think you say this is 25. Mm-hmm. I think it's fine. I think this is perfect where it's at. Sure. I think Gregory Peck this elevates this movie so much higher than anything else. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And uh, the ending, the ending's great. Uh, mm-hmm. Robert Duvall showing up as Boo Radley briefly. He was awesome. He doesn't even have a line of dialogue, but his presence is there. Yeah. The use of the title. Yeah. Uh, one of the best uses of a title ever. Yeah, also
1: a... I mean, the, the score is amazing. Yeah. I mean, Tom Williams was the pianist on it. Yeah. Like, Elmer
0: Bernstein's also a legend, too. Yeah,
1: I mean, like the fact that this movie has set, stood the test of time. And if you go on AFI's, like, they had a heroes list as well. Alex mm-hmm. Finch is number two. do not mad no, about No, he's number one. It. I'm not mad about and number, that. And
0: number two is Indiana Jones. Wow. Okay. That's insane. That's crazy. Yeah. But, like, uh, at the same time... Can you really argue it? No, I don't <laughs> like, think you can. Like, he's just, he is, like we said, commanding presence and just such a great performance. I had a quote here from Atticus I wanted to read. You never really understand a person until you consider things from his point of view till you climb inside of his skin and walk around in it. He's just dropping knowledge um, for his kids who are really just trying to, uh, Scout and Gemma, really just kind of trying to make sense of this.
1: Yeah, also, I think one of the most heartbreaking things is, is this client gets killed in prison.
0: Yeah. They said he was
1: Trying to escape. He gets shot eight times in the back. Yeah. And that also plays into police corruption Mm -hmm. and police racism, which is still a big thing that we're talking about today. Mm -hmm. This film is brilliant. I think top 25 is perfect. You could tell me that it belongs at like 15, or you could tell me it belongs at like anywhere in that range. I'll be like, good on you. Like, that's perfect.
0: Sure. Yeah. I... I I think I could even move it a little higher personally, because I I really enjoyed this one. Um, Also, I think we need to mention actually good child actors. No, the fact that the child actors (laughs) got nominated for best acting roles. Insane. That's crazy. Like, child actors for me is like a breaking point for some films. It's a mixed bag. Yeah. It's a mixed bag. But, like, they're actually really good, and they, they, like, carry, like, even when it's just gem and scout on screen like you're still invested in it It mean, doesn't lose any steam.
1: I mean Gregory Peck treated them like they were his own kids mm-hmm. on set. Like, like they had relationships after this movie came out. Yeah. So like Gregory Peck would be there for the big when they graduated high school and college he was there. Like, That's awesome. So like he developed these relationships so like when you feel like he's a parental figure scolding you he's really like I'm disappointed in you. You really feel like those kids really felt like my dad's disappointed in me. Yeah. I think that just shows how good of a. I mean, uh, it takes a, it takes the adult actors to make the kid actors good.
0: Yeah, for sure. And Gregory Peck's one of the best. Uh, Gregory Peck is America's dad. R.I.P. Um, yeah, R.I.P. for sure. Uh, moving on here, number twenty four, uh, E.T. the Extra Terrestrial from nineteen eighty two. Directed by Steven Spielberg. Written by Melissa Matheson. uh, Stars, speaking of child actors, Henry Thomas. A young Drew Barrymore. Peter Coyote. Baby Drew Barrymore. Yeah, you're right. Baby Drew Barrymore. Nominated for nine Oscars. You just skipped over Peter Coyote. Peter, oh, I thought I mentioned him. Sorry, Peter Coyote. Nominated for nine Oscars. uh, Won for... See, I also was trying to make sure I didn't say coyote, because that's what I, I, I usually call it a coyote, but anyway, that's probably not how his name you is pronounced. You swine. No, I am cultured. You <laughs> stop that. Um, best, it won for best sound, uh, visual effects, uh, sound effects, and the legend, John Williams for best score. 20 years after he did, uh, he was on piano for, yeah,
1: yeah, and full circle. Think about 13, also like 13 years later, he did Jaws, Anyone he won his first
0: Academy Award then. Yeah. That's he, insane. He well, he's like, he is the goat, Simon. I, I mean, mean, he literally is the best ever. Yeah, yeah. yeah, really really no other way around it. Um nominated for best picture, best director, uh, screenplay, cinematography, and um, film editing.
1: I remember think Kathleen Kennedy was involved that far back. Yeah, her and her and
0: Frank Marshall and Spielberg go way back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um uh she also uh at least Frank was. I don't know if she was involved in uh, Indiana Jones. I think, Marshall? Frank, I think Marshall Frank was. was. Yeah. yeah. Um, Frank Marshall definitely was. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, best picture that year. We've mentioned it before on the Tootsie episode. But um, Gandhi won, E.T., The Verdict, Tootsie, missing. Uh, inducted into Farm in the National Film Registry in 94. I need to mention this. On June 25th, 1982, this weekend, you could see in theaters. Blade Runner, E.T., Rocky Three, The Thing, Poltergeist, Star Trek Two, The Wrath of Khan, Khan, Conan, The Barbarian, all in theaters the same weekend. Okay, the last one's just meh. It's still an iconic. It article. is like, I mean, it's like his first big role. Sure, but Ra- like I mean, that group, that's insane.
1: Wrath of Khan, the best Star Trek movie. The thing, the thing, which is one of the best horror films ever. That's yeah. That should be on this list. Um, uh, yes, *Poltergeist*, which Spielberg produced slash <laughs> <Goes depending>, directed, ghost <laughs> directed. It was depending on who you like. There's pictures of him on set like directing people, and, and like the directors just standing there like. <laughs> but he some for some reason does not get a directing credit. Yeah, *Blade Runner* of course
0: iconic, bad cut of it, and then *Rocky* three. Mr. T. Mr. T. Man. That's all you got to say. Um but that that's just that's just crazy that those were all were out at the same time. Yeah, this movie is super influential, For Super sure. iconic. But I think Jaws deserves to be over it. Uh you're not getting any arguments from me. I think ET I I really enjoy ET. I think at, you know how much of a Spielberg fan I is. This is his most overrated. He is? I am. Okay. Sorry, damn it! Oh my gosh! I'm culture twenty. You know how okay. much of a Spielberg fan I am. I mean, me and we uh, all are. I mean, yeah, me but anyway, we're both Spielberg fans. This is his most overrated film.
1: I, absolutely. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's a it's a good movie. I like. I'll give it all this. It is Spielberg at his most Spielbergist. Like it, like yeah, Spielbergist. Like he really just goes for everything that you love. It's really personal to him. Like the the divorce, and that they're in the suburban. Like Los Angeles, I think. Yeah. And all this stuff that's really personal to him. You can really tell that he cares. Sure. It's not the highest Spielberg. I no. think it's the second highest.
0: Uh yeah. I know Schindler's List is top ten. Yeah, I think um, this is
1: the I think this is the last one before we get to Schindler's yeah. List. So I think this
0: film is good. Yeah.
1: Top fifty because it's so iconic.
0: Yeah. I I mean the fact that this is over Jaws though is pretty egregious to me. Yeah, Jaws is just so good. I mean,
1: yeah. I love Raiders is like one of my favorites. Raiders is
0: really good as well.
1: I mean, it's the thing that I really like. We're talking about kid actors. We want to talk about kid actors. Kids are the stars of this movie it's for not, sure. Like Peter Coyote, who like he's the main. Who's supposed to be the quote unquote antagonist? Shout out Peter Coyote because he did. He does a lot of voiceover. He's like mm. he's a very famous voiceover actor. Um he's seen as this villain but all you know is he's the guy with keys the entire movie like yeah. cause like he exits his car and he has keys on his belt and that's just to define oh the government's here the government's <laughs> here the police are here speaking that kind. of which this film's kinda scary this film is terrifying yeah. in the beginning if you were like I think I watched this when I was five and I just remember being like nope I cut like I am like, when, when they brought when they
0: brought the the um, like the like tubes in and stuff I think when I was a kid and I was watching this I had to I had to stop the movie yeah like, I had to, like, walk away for a second. Yeah, I did not return to this movie until I was an adult. Because, yeah.
1: like, I was just, like, I remember watching it as a kid. I remember not liking it. I don't remember why I didn't like it. And then I watched the beginning. Like,
0: I was probably terrified. Yeah. <laughs> no, this film, like, it's it's for kids. But, like, also, I mean, it's definitely a very adult film at the same time. Yeah. I mean, the effects are incredible. The practical effects deserve a shout-out. Because E.T., E.T. looks great. Still. It still looks great. Yeah. still looks great. I think the creature effects
1: work brilliantly. Mm-hmm. You really feel like he's like a living, breathing thing, not just you know a hunk of plastic <laughs> yeah. that's hanging out there. Like he like has
0: his like uh, Adam's apple moves and stuff. You're like it's super realistic yeah, for it's, sure. Yeah, and just the way that the kids interact with them as well yeah. is really well is really well done. Again, I, I think a lot of this. I've heard people regard this as Spielberg's best. I don't know what they're smoking. I think it's one of his best directing jobs outside of the
1: movie that's number eight on this list. Yeah. Besides the top movie on this list, I think, because you have to direct kids. Yeah, sure. Because I think that's that's a really hard thing to do.
0: Yeah, that
1: is. Someone who has film experience shooting kids, like, not shooting kids, filming kids. (laughs) (laughs) As someone said shooting kids, I was like, that's not right. Uh, Filming filming, uh, a child actor, it's hard for them to react the the way that they normally would because there's a bunch of people looking at Mm -hmm. them. And if you see behind the scenes in the Spielberg is, like, right next to Drew Barrymore, like, right in front, and is being, you know, talking really, like, it takes a lot to direct. Sure, for sure. And I think that he did such a good job. I think it's almost, I don't think there's anything wrong. I think this movie's almost perfect for a Spielberg film. There's nothing I can think of that yeah. doesn't really drag, it doesn't really...
0: yeah. Even though I say it's overrated, you put this in a lot of other people's filmographies, and it's automatically their best work.
1: Yeah, I mean that shows how good Spielberg yeah, is. Yes, for sure. Like I think this movie is top. I think top thirty is fine with this movie, but also you need to put Jaws in the top.
0: Sure. In the top I, yeah. 30. I mean, just the fact that like how highly regarded this is as like kind of like a family staple for a lot of people as well, mm-hmm. and just a lot of a lot of nostalgia is attached to it. It's a kids' film, but it's not. Yeah. And, like, it's one of those also films that has nostalgia attached to it, but it still does hold up, um, yeah, for sure. that's the
1: biggest thing. Does it hold up?
0: Yeah. Um, I also think it's funny, the, uh, have you heard this controversy about the E.T. adventure ride?
1: Huh.
0: So, um, there was an E.T. adventure ride. I remember at, riding um, at Universal. Yeah, at Universal. And uh, it had um, E.T.'s cousin, Botanicus as um one of the uh one of the uh, driving forces of like the the ride or whatever. Basically, the reason I bring this up besides the fact that there is a thing that is botanicus is awesome. They were threatening to take this out of Universal Orlando and Spielberg was so upset. At least this is what I've read. Spielberg was so upset that he threatened to end his dealings with Universal over this.
1: Yeah, him and Universal have a very rocky relationship period yes.
0: cuz I'm sure this was just, like, adding salt to the wound.
1: I mean, like, it's not till after, um... It's not till uh, Jurassic Park and... Fil- like, he'd have filmed Jurassic Park and Shandles List in the same year. Yeah. Because it's the only way Universal let him do it. Yeah. And he, like... I guess, like, the producers of, like... Of, like, the Universal, the people who run it, like, wanted to thank him. And he just, like, would not talk to them. But like... I guess one of them said, like... You know, I'm really happy that you did both of these and he like basically like turned and spat at his foot and walked away. Jeez. His feet and walked away. Yeah. Like, Cause Universal hated him for what he did for with Jaws. Yeah, of course. Cause he went over budget and he's this young guy and he didn't know what the hell he was doing and all that. Cozen Connors, I don't think, is universal it is Universal. But he went over budget again. hmm And then he does this and Universal just messes with him again.
0: Yeah, Universal and him just had a very contentious relationship. but Which, and, and really forced, like,
1: living after the thing with Chandler's List in Jurassic Park, he forms DreamWorks. Yeah. So Be- he doesn't have to mess with them ever yeah. again.
0: Which, DreamWorks, also a very uh, big company in movies, for sure. Yeah. Um. Anyway, that was a random tangent, but I had to mention it. Um, moving on here to number 23, The Grapes of Wrath, nineteen from 1940, directed by John Ford, uh, written by Nanali johnson um based on the novel by john steinbeck stars henry fonda jane darwell john carradine nominated for seven oscars um and it won two um it won for uh, jane darwell a supporting actress and best director for john ford one of his four best director oscars it's also nominated for best picture henry fonda for best actor screenplay uh, sound and film editing Best Picture that year, uh, we mentioned it before, but Rebecca won, and then some of the other notable uh, nominees were Philadelphia Story, The Great Dictator, The Letter, Foreign Correspondent, and The Grapes of Wrath. It was inducted in the inaugural class um, in the National Film Registry, um, and I mentioned it is one of John Ford's four Best Director Oscars, uh, which I believe is a record, probably. I don't know. Maybe I just made that up. But um, anyway, Grapes of Wrath, um, this was a film that I watched in high school, in a history class. Yeah, I remember liking Henry Fonda, and that's about it. Yeah, that's what I remember as well. Because I hated the book. Okay, I never read the book. We were forced to
1: read the book in high, when I was in high school. Okay, gotcha. It was the same high school, but like I think the curriculum definitely changed by the time you got <laughs> to senior <laughs> yeah. year. Yeah. Because you were a freshman when I was a senior, so that yeah. definitely changed by the time you got there. Uh-huh. We had to read it. I remember hating it. I remember, okay. And then I remember hating the movie, but I remember seeing Henry Fonda going, man, this guy's really good. And that's about it, because...
0: Yeah. Yeah, Henry Fonda really is the standout here, which, I mean, he's amazing, so... I mean, he's one of the best actors ever, so... Yeah. John Ford, one of the most most overrated
1: directors. Don't at me, but... Oh, not a John... Well,
0: I guess all his, his movies collaboration John with John Wayne, Wayne, yeah. Had John Wayne movies that yeah, were best Picture. Sense. so I'm like, nah. That makes sense. I mean... I I like the John Ford that I have seen. Um, Grapes of Wrath. Uh, I know the novel is very important um, to the zeitgeist of.
1: And one thing is, I remember it didn't age very well because, like mm-hmm. the like, I remember it being really slow. It's really slow, but the yeah. book's really slow. Period. So
0: I think this movie shouldn't not be this high on the list. I would knock this down a lot, honestly. Um, like I get the whole like trek trek to the west from Oklahoma. And just that Americana feel, but also John Ford has made better movies. Henry Fonda has been in better movies. This film is not really that influential, I would say. Like, as, as especially compared to these other films in this section. No. Um, I, yeah, I would knock it down. Uh, to be honest, is there a case it shouldn't be on the list? Well, I mean, you could definitely say. I, you know, like, honestly, I don't hear a ton of people going, like, grapes of Wrath, one of the best American films, well, I guess besides being on this list, but, like, I, I mean, don't. That's
1: also the older um, Hollywood and older Hollywood. Academy and yeah, all that. like, that's so good. Like it, did, like, it introduced Henry Fonda, I think, to a wider audience, but I don't think, I think that's basically it. Yeah. This is Henry Fonda's kind of, like, big
0: jump. Yeah. So, that, I mean, that's really, I want to be honest with you, I don't have a ton to say about this one. I mean, I just put meh. Yeah, like it's. I think this is just the the old white folks strike again. Oh, the caucasity. Oh, the caucasity. Sounds about white. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's my favorite one. <laughs> uh, yeah, permission to use that. Um, anyway, uh, moving on here to uh, twenty two. Um, some Like It Hot from 1959. Uh, Billy Wilder again. Uh, written and directed by Billy Wilder. And IAL Diamond helped with the screenplay. They also collaborated on The Apartment. Um, stars Jack Lemmon, Tony Curtis, Marilyn Monroe. Um, I just wanted to mention some of the names in this film, the characters. Spats Columbo, Toothpick Charlie, Little Bonaparte, Sweet Sue, and Sugarcane Kowalczak. Just so like late twenties, and I love it. But that's I don't love much about this film. Um, <laughs> anyway, it was nominated for six Oscars. It won for best costume design. It was also nominated for Jack Lemon, best actor, best director, screenplay, cinematography, art direction, best picture that year. We mentioned before, um, Ben Hur won Anatomy of a Murder, Room at the Top, Diary of Anne Frank, The Nun's Story. It's uh, something like oh, I was nom- not, not not nominated for best picture. Uh, inducted in the National Film Registry in 1989. This was voted the funniest movie of the 20th century in 1999. I'm going to be honest. This film is not funny. To it, me, at least. It has not aged very well. It has not. Marilyn Monroe is bad. I liked Marilyn Monroe in this movie, actually. Nope. Like not
1: Tony, for me. I like Tony Carter. I like Tony Co- no, Tony Curtis and Jack Lemmon. I they're like, great. They're, they're fine. Really, I, I mean, like, I don't have problems with... Actually, I have a lot of problems with this movie. Because Tony Curtis is supposed to be playing a gay man, I guess. Oh, what? Yeah, like when he's with Marilyn Monroe, he's supposed to be playing someone who's supposed to be gay. And oh. he's supposed to be like... They went through all these stereotypes and... Oh, okay. Woman. I guess I could...
0: Yeah, thinking back on it, I guess I could yeah, see. Yeah, I, I
1: remember liking it the first time I saw it. I haven't seen it in a long time.
0: Yeah, I... Uh, well, I just watched it for the first time prepped for this. And uh, there are stories of Marilyn Monroe... Kind of how at the end in the last phone call, at that farewell call, she is literally reading off of cue cards, and you can tell as like her eyes are going back and forth. And she just, I don't know, man. She's just not a good actress to me, at least. And I, yeah, I don't know. Every time she was on screen, I was just kind of cringing because like she's, she's just like this like ditzy whatever, which is kind of her character and kind of her shtick, but like also, I mean, she's one of the most
1: important female. Like, she's one of the most important women of the 20th century I absolutely think. absolutely I think, and also i think that we see her in, in the wrong light as well because like she was a great singer mm. she, she had other movies around this time i think it just tony curtis like she was treated poorly on set sure she was seen as a slut she's seen as like this sex object instead of being seen as an equal tony yeah. curtis like basically like i guess it's like That's what what it's like. He asked him what it's like to kiss Marilyn Monroe. because it's like kissing a fish. Jeez. So, like, you understand why Marilyn Monroe may not have been totally infested. Okay. I'll I'll give her... I'll cut her some slack But also, and I just don't think this movie deserves to be... Maybe even on
0: the list? I would say I would not put it on the list. First of all, the to fact that the it got voted the funniest movie there of the is century. There's a movie called
1: Blazing Saddles, my friend, or Young Frankenstein. Literally <laughs> any Mel Brooks film. Yeah, or, or Young Frankenstein, or,
0: you know, like... It's, it's baseballs. Just, baseball's like... <laughs> airplane. Airplane. Like, I think, first, just quick sidebar, I think Airplane's the funniest movie ever made, I, in my opinion. Or Charlie Chaplin movies. Charlie like Chaplin. Buster I mean, like, they have, heck, like any Bill
1: Murray movies, like Stripes. Stripes, Ghostbusters. Well, yeah, Ghostbusters I, really isn't that funny, but yeah. like, but like there are certain like movies of this time. Where, you know, how did this? I mean, back to the features, of comedy, basically. Yeah. Comedy I mean, action, like sure. That this movie won.
0: I mean, like you said, Arthur C. Cassidy. It's it's very very white, very white. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, it just is so fifties. It's so fifties, and it's so dated. Like it's,
1: it's so fifties. So and, like, there's certain movies that you like, like, um, Toy Men's very 50s to me. Like, the, the way they're dressed, the way, but in like, the best ways, in a better way. This is 50s, and, like, a woman is supposed to be in the house, and da da da
0: da da. It's it just very sweet. beat sick. you over the head with stuff. Yeah, and you're just kind of like, eh. I, I don't know. Like mean, we we haven't talked about it in a while, but we think should bring this up for this again is what does this add? to the history and, like, the conversation of film. And I don't think it really adds much. I think... Yeah. Like... This, is, this isn't Tony Curtis's best role. It's not Jack Lemmon's best. It's not Waters' best film. No. I mean, Marilyn Monroe is, has more iconic scenes, I think. Or movies, I think.
1: But, I mean, she was known more
0: as just, like, a bombshell. and Yeah. She just also lived such a tragic lifestyle. It's such a shame.
1: Like... Marilyn Monroe is one of the most iconic figures of the 20th century. Mm-hmm. She's what you think of as the sex symbol of the 20th century.
0: And her her uh, relationships with uh, Joe DiMaggio and Jack Kennedy. and, and I think there's She re- died of a drug or overdose in her 30s. We think. We, we, we think. We think.
1: I mean, there's still people who think that she's murdered. Yeah. Also, she just, I think she's an important figure. Absolutely. It's such a shame because, yeah. like. There's a movie that came out my week with Marilyn. Have you heard about that? I've heard about it. With Eddie Redmayne and uh, Michelle Williams. Mm-hmm. It's really good, and I really enjoyed it, because it shows who she actually was. Sure. Because like, the whole shtick of her being a ditzy blonde was an act. Yeah, okay, gotcha. She also wasn't a blonde. She was a brunette. She dyed her hair. Gotcha. She bleached her hair.
0: I also think that maybe if she had a blonde, maybe she could have broken out of that image, maybe, I think into, more, into a more serious actor's.
1: I mean i think she would have been at the forefront of a lot of issue for women's issues and mm-hmm. would have been one of the i think she would have been a good voice yeah but also we don't know sure. it's a really big it's a huge shame that yeah we can't say that marilyn monroe lived a long healthy life yeah she had a lot of problems yeah
0: yeah i know marilyn monroe is super important and just because i didn't Maybe necessarily like her performance. There obviously were other factors that contributed to that. No, it's just, it's not, the movie just doesn't paint her just in a good light. For sure. And like, I will say, to her defense, she is not given a lot to work with. No, the lines are very basic. Yeah. And I think they wrote them that way for her. And yeah. That's just kind of. So honestly, you know what? She was kind of backed into a corner, so I'll give her a pass on this. Yeah, I
1: think this movie does not
0: deserve to be top 100. No, it does not. Um, it's iconic, but it's not like. It's iconic, but like. Hey, some like it hot, but I like it not. Anyway, that's, that's how we move on there. Um, 21, uh, our final film of this section, um, Chinatown from 1974, uh, directed by Roman Polanski, written by Robert Towne, stars Jack Nicholson, Faye Dunaway, John Huston. Yes, that John Huston. Um, it was nominated for 11 Oscars. One best screenplay. Um, and one best screenplay for Robert Town. Um, nominated for Best Picture uh, Jack, Faye, Roman Polanski, all nominated. Uh, cinematography, Art Direction, Costume Design, Sound, Film Editing, and Score from Jerry Goldsmith. Uh, best Picture, we talked about it last week, but I'll mention it again real quick. Godfather Part 2, One, Chinatown, Lenny, Conversation, Towering Inferno, uh, Screw You, R. Carney, again. Um, we, I just thought I had to mention it because that is still one of the most absurd best actor wins I've ever seen. Um, oh, yeah. Over Hoffman, Pacino, Nicholson, uh, Albert Finney. I mean, that's just absurd. Um, inducted into National Film Registry in 1991. Uh, many say it is the best film noir I ever made, but... <coughs> no. I, best script ever written.
1: Possibly. You can make the argument it's the best script ever written. Like, possibly. Like... Professor Kevin Wilmot here at University of Kansas, Kevin, Award winning.
0: Yes, put some Kevin respect Wa- Kevin, on his name.
1: Kevin Kevin Walmot, who is a who is a teacher here at the University of Kansas. I was in his FMS one hundred class here mm-hmm. at KU my freshman year. This was the second film we watched, and he told and he told me to read the script for this. Okay, I read, and all three drafts are on there, and it is one of the best scripts ever written. It's so tight; it is great. Um, I think this is an incredible script. On the other hand, here. Okay. Let's just jump into Roman Polanski.
0: Okay. Let's do it. He, uh. Yes. I, similar to Woody Allen, he has some questionable. Well, he was cited for rape and escaped to Poland to avoid those charges. Yeah. Roman Polanski. He also got mixed up in the Manson murders because yes. he was. Mar- were they married? They're married. Married to Sharon Tate. Um, She's I, having her baby. He's having mm-hmm. his baby. Mm-hmm. And then uh, she was killed by Charles Manson, the Manson family. Um, and so he's connected to that. He also has made some iconic... Uh, he made Rosemary's Baby um, a few... Many years later, um, the, the Pianist was an Academy Award winning film. Which is one of the most disgusting... I have not seen it. No, but I'm not um, talking about like, him winning Best Director. Oh, there. gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Still, because he's. that 0 02, I think, somewhere yeah. around that.
1: Yeah. It's one of those things that you look at and go, ew. He's he's a guy that's tough to celebrate for sure. Because he raped a woman and escaped to Poland to avoid the charges. Yeah. Otherwise, I don't think this is the best film noir. I think I would put Dull Indemnity over it. Okay. Put Dull Indemnity. There wouldn't be this movie without double indemnity. Sure. Um, I think the script's amazing. Jack Nicholson and Faye Dunaway are amazing. Mm-hmm. John Huston's incredible. Yeah. Like, this movie is... If you can... Like, you can separate the artist from the art. I think... I sure. Can, I think I can do this with yes. this movie. Uh-huh. But knowing Roman Pl- Like, knowing that Roman Polanski makes it hard. Mm-hmm. But it's not like... He's in one scene. He's in, like, two scenes in this movie. It's not like Woody
0: Allen where he's in your face I the think entire his, movie. I think his official credit is "Man with Knife." Man with knife. Yeah. Yeah, he's so. he's <laughs> the guy who slits open Nich- Nicholson's nose. Yeah. Which is a, which is an iconic look.
1: Yeah. How in. bold is that? Like your best, like the guy whose face you're putting on the poster has a bandage over his nose, which is iconic. Yeah. F- this is Faye Dunaway and Jack Nicholson, both amazing actors at the mm-hmm. top top of their game.
0: Sure, and then Faye a couple years later has Network yeah um like, jack yeah jack mid 70s jack is like he's riding high yeah
1: like i would put al pacino above this role for him mm. i think pacino and I'm talking this year pacino oh gotcha gotcha pacino gotcha. Yeah. deserved the academy award, award more mm. i think for then, michael corleone yeah i yeah. can see that because if, if we're delivering in, jack like,
0: also got his due the next year for um one flew, with flew over the cuckoo's nest which so. is still
1: i mean one of the best active performances yeah. ever I think this is one of my favorite Faye Dunaway performances. I think that works mm. better because she does a lot more.
0: She yeah, she has more to do
1: for sure. But it's kind of it's seeing the talent in this movie kind of nuts. Seeing, mm-hmm. I mean, like it's just Faye Dunaway and Jack Nicholson for the majority of this movie. Sure, but they play off each other so well. Yeah, and John Houston's insane. He's really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, forget it. Yeah, it's Chinatown. Like it's yeah. it's iconic. I think top fifties. Top, you could say top 30. This is an important film.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, and yeah, whether it is the actual best film noir or not, it's definitely one one of the best. And in the conversation. I mean, about, this is technically a neo noir. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think Touch of Evil's like the last great one. Okay. Which is uh, Orson Welles. Yeah. Which is on this list.
0: I Yeah, that should be on this which list. has one of the best openings of all time. And. Some of the best cinematography of all time, too. And Charlton Heston is a legend. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's really... That's what all there is to it. Um, So that is 21 through 30. I think we discussed... I, I mean, do we go back through and see which ones we would I not mean, keep on? Some Like It Hot and Grapes of Wrath are probably the two, right? And I
1: would say that Apocalypse Now, you could bump down, but like... Yeah. But I think off the list entirely, it could be Grapes of Wrath and... Um, some Like It Hot. Some Like It Hot, definitely. Yeah.
0: But... Anyway, didn't get a heat reference in. I don't... What do you mean? What's wrong with you? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with you? What do you mean? You have to keep doing this. Well, so, I'm just trying to think of one. I can't... You can't just say the action is the juice every time. I can't. No.
1: <sighs> you know, I don't I don't have one this oh, week. Oh, i I think we need to talk about heat eventually on this podcast. Yeah, I don't
0: have one this week. I'm sorry to disappoint. That was underwhelming, I'm sure. But anyway, um, this was 21 through 30 on the AFI Top 100. Um, For Graham Cannon, I am Braden Shaw. Um, Thank you for listening to Ins and Outs, and we'll see you next week. Peace.